Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never ever give up hope. Never ever give up hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what. Many of my guests have survived incredible circumstances and as a result what I have noticed with each and every one of them is they have a passion to help others. They have a passion to help those who may be going through something similar to what they went through. And this could be in any number of areas, whether it's surviving extreme poverty or abuse or overcoming serious depression or, <clears throat> excuse me, or disease. Many of them have had to fight to survive. And these are the stories that people who are going through something similar will relate to, will grab onto and be encouraged by. This show gives each and every person the opportunity to share their story and I'm a firm believer that everybody has a story and the things that we encounter in our life can be such a blessing and a help to those who have similar stories. Share your story. Listen to other stories. Be encouraged by those but also share your own. Our show, Never Ever Give Up Hope, is now heard in over 140 countries, and we still maintain the number one rank on Google searches for the subject of hope, which of course indicates strongly that no matter where we are in this world, we are looking for hope. We are looking for encouragement. So I thank my guests, of course, because without you, and without our listeners, we wouldn't have a show. And so I appreciate each of you listening and all of those who are contributing. With me today, I have Dr. Joanne. She is a veterinarian who promotes intuitive medicine. Dr. Joanne's first book, Animal Teachings from Haley's Angels Methods, is a guide for better living for both animals and humans very interesting. You might recall that I recently had a woman on uh, who wrote a book, How to Live Life Like a Dog, that there are people out there who are writing about our relationship with animals. And I really appreciate this as a dog lover and dog rescuer myself. So this is going to be exciting to hear what Dr. Joanne has to say. She teaches how to embrace the teachings of animals on your path to live a meaningful life in harmony and balance and I know this is what she is going to focus on. So welcome Dr. Joanne and you need to pronounce your full name for me. I didn't want to ruin it by trying to pronounce it. 
Hi, Carol. It's such a pleasure being here with you and your listeners. My full name is uh, Dr. Joanne Lefebvre Connolly. <laughs> now, before you wrote your book, you had a successful career in home and end-of-life care. What was the greatest challenge that you faced during that career, and why did you say you had actually become a prisoner to it? So tell us that story. Well, for 10 years, I had um, I was offering an in-home euthanasia service for all animals. I had gone through the same process with my own dog named Haley. So when people started calling me and to help, I jumped in and I uh, I felt Haley's guidance into this was her legacy to me to help others. So for 10 years, I've helped over 10,000 families. Oh find my word. I was working night and days, you know, by the time. Oh. 10 years uh yeah so it became it became crazy but i couldn't say no and that's my my disease you know how do you say no when animals are suffering and that's truly my place my calling to help them uh well you know you can only help so much and like my dad would tell me at the time uh when you're dead you can't help anymore so save yourself first and then you'll be able to save a few others so that was the hardest, hardest thing for me in my life to just walk away from this amazing service that I had built and I had poured all my my heart and soul and, and tears and sweat, you know, to be there for other families. And um, But that was three years ago. The time came. I had to really regroup and uh, we ended up moving. Uh, that was the best. Uh, the only way was for me to geographically move away so I can get a fresh start and and stop the phone calls, you know, and I, I changed my phone number, um, which people found my new number online, and I'm still getting calls three years later from Arizona, and now I'm in Florida, and uh, so, you know, I love animals to such a, an extent that it, it's really hard to not be able to save the world, but I had to save myself. <laughs> no kidding, and you know, that brings up an interesting point, because just recently I read an extensive article, I can't remember where it was, um, regarding veterinarians and depression. Is this one of the things that you had to deal with? And it, it was talking about because of seeing, you know, when you have a love for animals, because you have to see their pain and deal with it and all very often you know pull the plug per se so is this one of the things that you went through yes I mean veterinarians definitely suffer more depression uh, suicide also is great amongst veterinarians I know a handful of veterinarians who are no longer with us unfortunately so I completely understand uh, what brings someone to say okay I cannot handle watching or dealing with any more suffering and so, yeah, I luckily, I mean, I have a wonderful husband, I have great parents, I have my own animals, you know, I've rescued so many animals over the years that they've kept me going and we all need to spend time with the happy, healthy animals that are reminding us to play and to be silly and so that's keeping us going. It's a balance. Everything in life is about good, balance. Good. Yes. So... Now, your new career, you switched gears, so tell us about that. <laughs> so, well, I I am still helping to a smaller, definitely smaller uh, extent uh, with home, you know, home euthanasia as I'm helping a little bit at the hospital, but uh, I wrote a book and I'm actually writing book number two as we speak because I 
needed to share now all these amazing blessings and teachings from animals that I hadn't learned in vet school, you know. So animals on my path and their families have really taught me so much that I needed to share with others through writing books. And really, that's another way to help animals all over the world. So I, it heals my heart to be able to share on a different level, but it's still a very important level. Was it Haley's passing that um, motivated you to write your book? Um, well, Haley's passing really uh, helped me get the service going because I didn't believe that I could do this. You know, I had there was a big learning curve, and so her spirit really made me believe that I had the strength and the abilities to do that. And then. Um, all the te- everything that I've learned that I didn't know I would learn. I really had no clue what I was going to learn from all from being at home, you know, in such a sacred environment where everybody can be themselves. Animals uh, were not rushed like in a hospital setting, you know. Uh, the rest of the animals are present for the goodbye swirl. Like it's amazing what the how the other animals will behave, and the dynamic will change and depending on their personalities, some will be closer, some will grieve more, you know, so that's what the book is all about, paying attention to all these amazing connections and synchronicities that um, are present in our life and that we're overlooked or overlooking because society is making us, you know, use our brains, but we animals have brought us back to being in our hearts and connecting on a way deeper level. One of the things that you said that you wrote to me that I really appreciate it was that animals have inspired you to be resilient and to never give up. Of course, that's right up my alley. (laughs) And to always believe in a brighter tomorrow. And it's amazing how if we are watching animals and they're like right now we're dealing with um, a very elderly dog who I know is his days are numbered and how they deal with that is that part of what you mean when you say watching how you know that they are always optimistic like they say dogs are the eternal optimists you know they will always beg and expect so is that a little bit of what you're talking about there yeah they live in the present they don't worry about tomorrow they don't worry about the world's great problems that they cannot fix you know they try to make their little ripples and that's all one can do, you know, and then your ripples will touch others who will make other ripples. And so animals really uh, remind us that life is simple and that love, you know, love is really, we don't need a whole lot here. You know, we're, uh, humans tend to always look at what we're lacking, but animals and dogs always look at what they have. Oh, and wow. They're, they're just content with that. You know, they're grateful for having food, love. And, and and they love to be outside, you know, and they, they they force us to reconnect with nature. You know, they remind us that life is outside, you know. We should all go feel the earth under our feet and feel the sun on our skin. And that is happiness. So how do you change from one way of thinking to thinking more like an animal and behaving, per se, more like an animal in that respect? They, when you look at them, to me, they really seem to have found the recipe of happiness, you know. Um, so I want to be more like them. I've always wanted to be more like them. And so when I was growing up, you know, I've always had existential questions for my parents and uh, my teachers and any human being that seemed to be, you know, older and wiser. But 
what I found is that often they did not have answers to my existential questions and animals have always been the one giving me the answer that made sense. So that's been always, uh, you know, 40 years later, I'm still asking my questions to the animal, <laughs> to the animal, to nature, and listening to their answers and the way they're behaving, the way they're uh, just acting amongst themselves, and it just makes sense. So, um, you know, animals are really teaching us to build a better world, and that means animals are, again, simple. Uh, they don't lie. If they have a problem with you, they'll make it clear <laughs> what it is, and then you fix it. You don't waste any time uh, or energy going around telling everybody else what the problem might be. They address it with the person <laughs> or the, the other animal that they have the issue with. So they are very smart as far as survival and not wasting a bit of energy uh, or time because time flies, you know, and uh, they are very aware of soaking every drop of happiness, joy, you know. Uh, I've worked in shelters quite a bit and I oh, still okay. help right now. So when I see... Um, so most of the animals are still hopeful and when you meet the ones Aww. that have lost hope it just takes a little bit of love you know they doesn't take much for them to switch gear and go back to yes i knew that life could be good give me that chance and so love you know conquers all ultimately gosh i like that that is really very well put thank you so give us an example of what you just told us about um, so, you know, when I moved to um, Florida, as I was saving myself, um, I knew that I wanted to uh, rescue a horse, that a horse was part of my life at that point. And I believe in synchronicities, the timing had never been right because I was obviously so busy saving, you know, the dogs and cats in people's homes. Um, but I, uh, I had really bad horse allergies uh, growing up. And so moving to we bought a small property with like a few acres and a little barn and um, I had no idea really I had no plan on finding a horse but as soon as we moved in my next new next-door neighbor comes over and out of nowhere says to me so I've got your horse are you ready I'm like what okay well yes I am ready but like so I was just so amazed by yes all, truly it was the, it was the right time and this was a dream of me like a, a childhood dream that I cherish so much um, so if I had realized that by saving my own life I would save a horse you know I would move to Florida and my dream horse would be there waiting for me uh, rescued he needed to be rescued as well and everything unfolded as it should because uh, the energy flows and that's the goal of life is to follow that you know the best things that have, that have happened in my life were unplanned so this horse was um, abandoned uh, race horse and uh, he, he he needed he needed love he needed a second chance at life so he moved in within you know a few weeks and uh, I healed my horse allergies um, and he healed, uh, he got a chance to just be a horse because I didn't ask him to f do anything that people have asked him to right. do. Um, he swam in the pond every day, he ate a pond salad, we called it, you know, the algae <laughs> growing at the bottom. He would dunk his whole face to go eat those uh, amazing, you know, pond salads. So, and then he just grazed all day long and we hung out, we just learned to be. And being uh, without pressure 
and without anybody's telling us forcing us one way or another you know that was just such a blessing and um, so him and I had the best time and unfortunately you know he was an old guy so after a couple years uh, his uh, his arthritis caught up with him and I couldn't control his pain even with medications uh, so I had this amazing dream one night where him and I were flying uh, into heaven he had turned into a wonderful white horse with wings and he was all shiny and I would I was hanging on to his neck and we were flying all over heaven and he was happy and young and home you know he was home and I was I was there with him um, so when I woke up from that amazing dream I found him in the barn and he was done you know he was ready to go home and that was his way of telling me it still gives me chills today you know it was so powerful and I needed I needed that dream I needed a little confirmation because it was a really difficult euthanasia emotionally for me you know to help him pass on but we had to do what we had to do so he wouldn't suffer and uh, one of the things that I know that we often say is that we're dog or animal rescuers but they really do rescue us don't they? <laughs> they, they do and you know I always love to ask families um, how did you adopt your pet you know and most of them like 99% of them say oh no no I did not adopt him like I didn't pick him he picked me right right so I just love how true that is um, so I always encourage people to not be uh, so rigid about the animal that they want in their life you know to let it unfold because the best teacher will come to them in the perfect time now you're writing another book what is that one going to be about well it will be uh, about expanding the animals teachings to really building a better world um, there is so much more so in, in the first book I talk a lot about uh, how to make the decision to euthanize an animal and our why do we get sick you know fascinating that animals often share the same diseases as their people and I noticed that really early on in my career which was 18 years ago that I started being a veterinarian um, so why do animals develop the same problems as their people well we live together and we go through the same stress in life and the same emotions and so I've realized how there is no coincidence and by being more Zen more balanced more if fulfilling our life purpose our animals benefit from that as well and uh, helping animals figure out their own life mission is also extremely beneficial um, because they have a purpose too and we uh, we there's many ways to empower them to show us what they're all about you know are they a therapy uh, animal are they meant to be just one-on-one -on -one? are they meant to go to hospitals and schools and help uh, children and um, elder you know elderlies mm -hmm. right now I have a pig in my yard who's a little vegan activist and we take, we take him to the beach and I didn't realize how the impact that he would have on people but I'm so grateful because he's teaching everyone to be kind you know farm uh -huh. animals have emotions yes. and so people the first thing that they say when they meet Wilbur is that oh my god I cannot eat meat ever again and oh. I'm like good <laughs> go Wilbur wow you know and just be making people more aware and uh, more uh, sensitive to what's happening really before the meat gets onto their plate 
So, you know, that's all like book number one and book number, Wilbur is, was not in book number one, but now he's going to be in book number two, obviously. So uh, sharing more teachings, but also just broadening to the whole world and how to build a better society based on animals, teaching us how to better behave and how to work as a team. And uh, there's answers for all the world's problems. Animals seem to have found answers. So I'm excited to uh, put to write number book number two and, and share it in a few months, hopefully. Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> the one thing I'd like you to address, if you would, is something that you had just mentioned in this last little bit of, of sharing. And that is, how do you walk people through to make that decision or help them to make that decision of put euthanizing their dog or their pet? So my best, uh, always my best advice is listen to your animal. We, we don't treat a disease, we treat a patient, you know. So looking at the animal as a whole and uh, based on his personality and his, uh, again, life, life mission and reason to be here and who is, he the, who is your animal the most attached to, you know. They typically pick one person. Yes, yes. Is it one of the children? Is it the wife, the husband? So that person is ultimately the one that has the closest bond and relationship with that animal. So animals communicate with us on many levels, you know. So when we talk about intuitive medicine and animal communication, we talk about really the energy sharing. And so often our animals will give us a sign that they're ready. And it might be just a feeling or looking at us a different way and we start feeling uh, different things. It can be a dream like uh, my horse Majestic sent to me. Um, it can be a behavior, of course, where our animal will retreat, you know, will start hiding in an odd place, like in, in, in a closet where he never went. And that's a wild behavior uh, where animals will retreat from the pack when they're ready to die or trying to die. Um, so there is so many aspects, and I, I use that also to all along the, the patient's life to make the best medical decision, you know, based again on the the patient's purpose in life and have we reached an exit door there's all many exit doors that I talk about in my book and um, so for example science has proven that we are more prone to dying on our birthday and I have seen that with animals I definitely have seen a cycle of life and death you know and it makes sense that we came on earth at a specific time on a specific day and then we will be ready to leave the cycle has been completed so many years later um, often, you know, the family will be giving birth to their first child, and that's a new chapter starting, and then the animal will die, you know, or the family is moving, um, or again, finishing high school, kids are all grown up, like there is often, like it's the end of a chapter, and it means the, the animal has fulfilled its life purpose, and it's time to leave. So there is a lot of signs when we start paying attention. That's really interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking about all the many of the dogs that we rescued and how they ended or how their life ended. And there is definitely a connection, like you just said, between them knowing when it's time to go. Sometimes, you know, it's the other animals also in yeah. the pack that will start acting a different way towards this one animal that needs help. Um, so they bring our they, they bring our attention to hey this one's not doing well or it's his time to go, um, and so also I I, I give people I, I teach people to give their pet permission to die 
because often animals will hang in there for yes. us. Yes, they're so yes. loyal that, okay, they know it's their time, but they just can't leave us. Um, so giving them permission to follow their path is really freeing. Uh, and I tell people, you know, if he wants to hide in the closet, that's okay. You know, tell him you love him, but give him some space because it seems to be easier to die alone. You know, yes. when you don't have yes. people sobbing and saying, no, no, don't go, don't go. You know, and I see this in people too, when people die and uh, the family yes. has been there watching over their loved one and they take a two minute breaks to go to the bathroom yes. and that's when the person dies I've heard and that. people get upset, you know, oh my God, I missed it. But I'm like, no, it makes sense. It's the same, you know, it's easier when you don't have, it's easier for the dying one to break those emotional ties and those energy bonds that are so strong when they can focus on themselves. And so really giving them permission helps greatly. I have heard this a variety of times over the years, and that is that some animals actually commit suicide. Is is that something that you have addressed or that you agree with or disagree? Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I mean... And again, I see it as like exit doors. Uh, so I've seen quite a few situations, like for uh, example, so this one woman divorced uh, her husband. She moved away and the dog, who was her dog, uh, she couldn't take with her right away. She was going to be in a, an apartment that was too small. Um, and so she left the dog with the husband at the house. The day that the lady left the home, he ran in front of a car. And that he just chose to end, you know, to end his life at that time. Um, I've seen, um, you know, sometimes when animals start eating toys, you know, uh, swallowing toys. I mean, oh, yeah. um, I, I've seen it in my own dog. We had a, you know, we all get out of balance and sometimes. So we have this uh, dog that never ate toys and he started, you know, it was, I don't know, my husband and I were going through a, you know, a little time of uh, being in, uh, out of balance and this puppy swallowed a piece of toy and I'm like oh the, to me like that that was so clear that he was considering taking this exit door and I said hell no you're not going anywhere we are regrouping we are making sure that everybody gets what they need and luckily he it did not make him sick he uh, was able to pass it but that was an alarm to me a hey, we need to regroup here so uh, I always want to make sure that people pay attention to all of those signs and warning so so each animal is really cared for the way that they need to um some cats need to go outside you know otherwise they will commit suicide uh, inside the house you know they will uh they will be bored um unfulfilled and something will happen or stress will just kill them you know disease will happen because they are not living to their fullest potential so we have one of those cats who would get constipated uh, all the time if we tried to keep him inside. And he was a rescue. We had to bottle feed him. He, he was born from a feral mom and somebody found him on the sidewalk. So he came in with uh, his placenta still attached. You know, he would have been a great feral cat. So his instinct of hunting is really strong. And, mm -hmm. you know, if we try to keep him inside for safety, um, he'll start beating up on everybody else, including ourselves. You know, he's so miserable. <laughs> And he would get constipated. So um, we have to, we made a compromise with him that, okay, uh, we let him go out, you know, during the day. We, we feed him little treat twice a day, morning and night. So we, he knows he's going to come in to check up on us. You know, he's 12 years old now. We find, we've figured out our balance and we compromise so for health, you know. So 
and he's really smart outside and you know that's working for him and at least we know that he's living the best life he can because we don't want him to commit suicide because of boredom and, and lack of fulfillment. Oh, I thank you for sharing that. I was thinking of that as you were talking, and I thought, you know, is this far-fetched or is it a reality? And I think and you it, cleared that you up. Know, yeah, it could be on on a subconscious level, but no matter what, yes, it's happening. Yes. You know, it, it, the energy, the attractions, the law of attractions, we're all connected. We truly are all oneness, you know. So nature gives us amazing synchronicities on people to start paying attention because it will help them make everyday decisions and difficult decisions of letting an animal pass. We had a black lab who probably was the closest dog of all the ones that that we did have and I think that you will agree with me that there are certain dogs or cats or animals that you are closer to than others and this was this was definitely one of them but whenever we would have guests she would be put on the deck and after like dinner guests and so after about the third or fourth time we noticed a pattern starting and that was that whenever we put her on the deck she would walk very slowly to the window where she could see the dining room and push her face up and make these most contorted expressions that were absolutely hilarious and so this became a habit so every time we would have guests she would immediately go out and push her face up and twist her head around and to me from what you're saying it that indicates that they have a sense of humor now will you address that yeah I mean I think animals are definitely the funniest um, funniest beings for sure I mean they're all about keeping their inner child alive and they're teaching us to keep our inner child alive for sure you know go roll in the mud there's always it's always a good time to stretch and to uh, run after a ball and to uh, scratch your back against the carpet you know and right, um, right. so they take time to live and to be silly and laughter is definitely the best medicine and I think that's probably you know the, the best thing about having animals in your life is that they make you laugh a lot they make you smile and they're goofy and it's good you know I agree and even on your worst days and also they will notice when you're sad and they comfort you and I, I'm sure that that's a that's a given right I mean we all yeah. are aware of that and how they're used yep. as comfort animals as well so yep. is there anything I, we've touched a few different things would you like to maybe summarize and anything else that you wanted to add to what you haven't already said so you know I'm a big proponent again of treating the patient as a whole and if you have 10 cats in your house, uh, we, we must figure out what each cat is about and what each cat needs to thrive in their life and their incarnation. So we can really give them uh, what they need. You know, one cat at my house loves music and the other one loves to go out. And so uh, it's important to really tailor our protocols, like our care, to every single one of them. And then when it comes to making medical decision, we continue on that same vibe, you know. Um, it's So I want those conversations to happen between uh, pet owners and veterinarians and humans and their own doctors, you know. So we can really care for the patient as a whole so we can make fair and dignified decisions, uh, whether it's surgery or no surgery or chemotherapy or no chemo or 
you know, passing with dignity. So um, I address um, many reasons why we get sick, you know, and it's it's true almost almost always like a lack of balance or fulfillment. And there is a lot of life lessons. So we grow through illnesses, and so instead of when we receive a diagnosis instead of labeling ourselves and being stuck with the diagnosis I want everyone to embrace the challenge and really use the diagnosis as a way to grow and a lot of diseases can be healed and we can shift the energy it's so powerfully into healing when we understand why it happened why we attracted something what's the life lesson and so to me that changes everything about life and about dying thank you for that dr joanne i think that i will look at my pets differently this has been a lesson today not just an interesting story but it certainly has been a lesson very well stated i really appreciate uh what you what you shared today thank you so much for being on our show and i look forward to promoting your books and let us know when your new book is coming out and let's all be more aware of what our animals are trying to teach us. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.